Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loop, the new and extended baby range. Flynn and you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. This podcast series will feature real mums talking about the beautiful but sometimes hard work of raising children and teenagers today. Joining me in studio, we have a fantastic panel, um, comedian and mum of three, Emma Doran, Carol Byrne, who's an MC and stylist and mum of one, and clinical psychotherapist and author of a brilliant book called 15 Minute Parenting, Joanna Fortune. And we're here to discuss the ups and downs and miracles that are are the teenagers in our lives. <laughs> now, f- my little person is very small, but I am um, doing all the research for this. I-, I was kind of half intrigued, but also half horrified at what might lie ahead for me. Um, uh, the saying goes, communication is key, but it seems with teens, Joanna, um, that communication can be incredibly difficult. It's will be incredibly difficult. And it's partly because you have that sense of trying to communicate through soundproof walls because you think I'm making complete sense here. And you might even have a sense in the conversation like, God, you know, this is really good. This is going really well. This is all landing. (laughs) And then they turn their back and, you know, the next day you're staring at them as they're roaring at you going, what happened? Like, what happened? It didn't land. It didn't land at all. So you can feel like you're repeating yourself. Nothing you say is landing. You're shouting into the wind. And yeah, to some point, that's true because it's not that they're not listening. It's just that whatever's going on for them in their own emotional world, in their own brain chemistry, they're not able to take in everything you're saying. And I suppose one of the things, like if you talk to teenagers, um, that, you know, they think that once you're an adult, you're a bit of a fuddy-duddy, you're, don't, you're just so not cool, you don't know what, you don't understand. Do you find, Emma, um, when you're communicating yeah. with your daughter, that that's one of the barriers? It's like, oh, I roll, what would you know about anything? Oh, like you just described there <laughs> in a second. And I find sometimes she's very, like, receptive to chats. And then it's like... Yeah. I find, you know, two hours later, she asks me for money or to give her a lift somewhere. I'm like, oh, she wasn't listening. She was just nodding and smiling. And that's why she's being so nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm glad like, the whole time. Then I'm like, oh, well, fair play to her. At least she has a game plan. Like she's playing the long game with me. But um, yeah, communication is, oh, it's kind of like communicating with <laughs> Uh, you know, like that fella you went out with when you were about 16, who just wouldn't tell you anything. Just, mm, no, you know, <laughs> so. I the old tra- grunting yeah. as a form of, of chat. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, not great. It's similar to that. So, um, no, but in fairness, she is great. But I would often find that I get the best uh, info out or the best chats when I'm not actually making eye contact. Absolutely okay, so driving agree. in the car yeah. or yeah, for a walk or whatever. When you haven't actually sat down and said, so let's talk. Yeah. It's more or kind of even the, like. I mean, I remember when my mom talked to me about um, sex and my body and I just could feel my body getting hot. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, this is horrific. And then when I had Ella, because I was so young, everyone's like, oh, you're going to be so cool. You're going to be so cool. And even when I started chatting to her about things like that, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah. I can feel attention. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what age you are, I think they're always going to feel like... <laughs> Uncomfortable conversations yeah. are what always you know? uncomfortable. Yeah. My mother always said the ultimate, her ultimate revenge was that one day I'd have a teenager too, <laughs> which I always thought. And I remember at the time going, oh my God. But like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think she was absolutely right. And with you, Carol, your son. Yeah. 
um, and he's 15 as well. He's 17. Sorry, excuse yes, me, he's 17. And you were saying though that like he is overall a great kid. Yeah. But communicating again with a with a young man. Yeah. It's challenging. It is. I suppose you have to kind of pick your moments exactly yeah. what kind of Joanna's saying. Like you can't, and, and that goes for all of us. If someone sits you down and says, you have to listen to this right so now, true. you're just like, I, I don't want to listen to this right now. I'm not in the right headspace. I don't mm-hmm. really care right now. So you do have to kind of pick your moments. And, you know, sometimes the morning time, Connor is like an antichrist. He is not, he doesn't speak. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. He just wants to get up, go to school, get out. And then three hours later, he's the best in the world. So I think you do have to like the evening time for me, if I'm just, if he's in watching TV. I come in and sit beside him and he'd be like, what do you want? <laughs> so I'll sit down beside him and I'll just like naturally start chatting to him. And then he'll just yeah. start chatting back. Like, so I think the more you force something with anyone, even not even just teenagers, the less you'll get back, I think. Yeah, I do think the one thing for all of our communication, I think it's even more relevant for teenagers though, is kind of the use of social media and the use of phones. Yeah. Like we all tend to have our mm-hmm. phones in front of us a lot of the time. So again, eye contact and also the way that kids communicate to each other and how you monitor that. Joanna, how do you kind of allow, I suppose, teenagers to have their independence, but still kind of monitor what's happening on social media when a lot of it you have no control over. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated because exactly like Carol's saying there, you, you want to go in and chat with them and the in- instant reaction you're going to get is what do you want? Because they're looking for your agenda so mm. to normalise healthy communication and to keep communication lines open, which is something you'll often read and hear in publications about raising teens. Keep the doors of communication open. And you're like, well, yeah, well, what does that actually mean? Mm. It means taking those but if opportunities all the do, If all the door does is, is grunt at you, it's quite But hard. you know, that's okay because it's still a response. And I think it's about knowing the tempo of your teen as well. Yeah. Morning is not the time to, no. to get your chat in. So, you know, it's evening and it's not one size fits all. The problem with the social media piece is that teenagers will tell you that they're constantly in communication, but they may not have locked eyes with anyone. They may not have opened their mouths. It's navel gazing into this device and they're communicating constantly, Mm -hmm. but they're not speaking. And what that means is their social engagement system in terms of psychology Mm -hmm. is not being engaged or is not being ignited during the day. And that's when we can look at each other. I can get a read looking at you, how you might be experiencing what I'm saying. And then I have a a choice that I can change what I'm saying to elicit a different response. They're not developing that kind of social skill set because their type of communication is fundamentally different. It's Mm -hmm. all into a screen where it's emoji based or it's some kind of bitmoji or whatever it is, it's it's not, I'm not looking at you and I can say something with a certain intent. You can interpret it a very different way and I don't get to correct that because I don't get to see your hurt or your confusion or I don't get to read that in you. So we shouldn't communicate through emojis then? Ideally Which not. Ideally not. It's always about lead by example. Yeah. So I think that the the social media, the worst thing we can do as parents is get on the moral high horse of, you know, social media is bad. The pro social benefits I do believe outweigh the cons. It I just shouldn't that. be the only means of communication. And we've got to demystify it in terms of it's not going to derail your development, but it's not going to help you develop the necessary skill set unless it's a part of your life rather than 
all of your life. Yeah, exactly. And do you think, Emma, with kind of girls in particular, and I know mm-hmm. there is as much pressure mm-hmm. with boys, but with girls in particular, the kind of the peer group um, is very, very important. Would you kind mm-hmm. of know your daughter's friends or would you encourage them to kind of come over to your house or how would you kind of get to know them? Or is that very hard to do? Yeah, it can be hard to do because you don't want to be that man like, oh, anyone wants snacks? And I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, I'm I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like starting to tidy up the room when you're working on conversations. So I try and just let that be. But yeah, hoovering, look- hoovering, but listening <laughs> intently. Yeah. yeah. She, you know, I have a tagging device on her, but um, no, they, she's lucky. Like she has a nice kind of um, group of friends and um I know all of them. And even actually one of them, she, you know, she's been in school or since she was quite young or whatever. So uh, I'm lucky. But I mean, I'd be, I'm bad. Like I'd be looking for gossip on the friends because one of them had a secret boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, secret boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's like kind of from a Christian family. He's not, goes, he's not so secret now, though. I know. I know. <laughs> What's her name? But I'm all, I want all the gossip. And Shane, my partner's like, you shouldn't know these things. You shouldn't know so and so had a smooch or whatever. That's one I think of that's your positive business. though. Connor would tell me that stuff as well. And I think oh, that's I want a really to, good. Yeah, thing. I want to know what I think I'd be them. much more worried if you if they don't tell yeah, you exactly. the sort of I gossip really because good. I want yeah. the scandal. Yeah. Don't oh, I know. hate to break it to you guys. You're really getting the cliff notes. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Even when they're giving you the gossip. Oh, so they're not yeah, giving yeah. you the gossip. Yeah, yeah. I want I want the juicy gossip, but um no, her her peer, I'm lucky because I think at the start of secondary school, I was like, I think she was, I, w- I wouldn't say unhappy, but definitely she wasn't, she didn't seem as like self-assured and confident and stuff. So she's kind of, she's found a nice group of friends and they all seem to be good for each other. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but so she's not, to be honest now, she is like, she's not even into her phone. Okay, well, that's, that's brilliant. Great. And yeah. you were saying that your son is the same, that he's not yeah, no. social media crazy the way no, you he kind of hear be. about kids being. No, not at all. And actually, what kind of changed Connor, I suppose, in every sense of the word, he did, he went to South Africa kind of building homes of it with a charity and stuff. Oh, wow. Weeks. So he did that last year. And he, honest to God, he came back like a different... So like a bit of social engagement exactly. actually yes, helping. Exactly. They weren't allowed. Yeah, their phones, awareness. They weren't allowed. Yeah. There was none of that over there for three weeks. So... And they are his core friends now and they're such a lovely group of kids. Like, That's amazing. So so that foundation for him. And did you suggest that him. or did that come from himself? No, he, he did. Well, he's done, um, he shaved his head for charity a few times. So he wanted to kind of keep doing that sort of stuff. Like, so that came up in school. It was like a, you had to interview whatever to do it. So he got the place and I think 16 of them went, 16 or 15 of them. And he actually had a chronic fear of flying at the time. And I said to him, look, this will, this will, be the makings of you like if you just go and do it so he did and he literally came back a different person like That's they didn't great. they weren't phones they weren't anything so they all had to just be themselves and just mm. not worry about anything else so it, it is really hard though. I mean there's I, I honestly would not go back to being mm-hmm. a teenage girl no for all no, I agree. T- if you yeah. could offer me literally a million quid it's such a confusing such a time hard, isn't it it's like so it's hard really yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Joanna, your brain is doing all this crazy stuff. And you don't understand And you what's don't, going but on. you think no. you do. Or you think you do for minutes and then you're aware you don't. And that's really frustrating. So then you overcompensate behaviourally as a way of trying to make sense of it. And I think that one of the things that we do, you know, even if you go back to, you know, when we were all probably in sixth class and having your growing up class, you know, whoever mm-hmm. came in to do your 
body, boobs, periods kind of cut talk with you. Um, I, it actually still makes me blush <laughs> I, You know what you're talking about? The, it actually, I can still no, feel the heat rising. The, the like. that's really missing from all of that. We talk to teenagers about how their bodies will change. We talk to them about hormones, but we never talk to them about how their brains are rewiring in adolescence. Or where that smell comes from. That <laughs> I teenage think we do. I think smell we do get to that because all we like do is where? we bully them into the shower and we give them links, gift sets forever through teenage years. But if we don't help them understand what's going on from the inside out, and I mean the brain. So when they screech, roar and slam a door at you and you're going, that escalated quickly. Like, where did that come from? And then, you know, they sheepishly come down and they're looking for food or whatever it is. But really, they're looking to reconnect (laughs) with you. (laughs) You know, and you say, like, what was going on? And they look at you and they go, I don't know. I think we have to believe them. They really don't know because what's happening in the teenage brain is that the part of the brain that develops really quickly in adolescence is that nucleus accumbens, that amygdala emotional feeling part of the brain. That develops really, really quickly. But the part of the brain that takes at least for most of us, till our early to mid-20s. A bit of sense. For some of us, our whole lives, let's be honest, to develop is the bit of the brain that goes, do you know what? Is that really such a good idea? Let's just really stop and think. To temper that crazy amount of feeling. So what's happening is you've got this brain that is wired for impulsivity, that is wired for risk-taking, that has this red button constantly flashing going, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And the bit that's going, slow down there now and we have a think about this isn't online at all. So teenagers are literally wired to take risks. Mm -hmm. They are wired for impulsive, what we would describe as typical teenage or bad behaviour. They are wired to be challenging. But we don't explain to them, do you know what's happening is your brain is wired to do this. This isn't in your complete control. Now that things are calm, because you don't have that conversation in the throes of the meltdown, Let's come up with a plan or some things that we can do that we know will help you when this is happening. Let's have a cue system. Let's do something. But I think, and certainly the teenagers I work with, that when you sit down and you actually explain their brains, and I'll often use the kind of flip your lid, mm-hmm. that when you flip your lid and you lose it, your thinking part of your brain is offline and all you've got is this emotional feeling center and mm-hmm. that's not doing you any favors. And when they can learn that visual and that language, they can get to a sense of being in a situation with their parents where they go, the lid's getting loose and I think Mm. it's going to flip. I need to get myself out of here or I need to stay and have my row, but at least know why I'm doing it. Mm. And I think that that's the huge mistake we make in our growing up classes is we're not including a brain conversation. But it is very hard, though, I think, when you're dealing with somebody that is flipping their lid. Yeah, constantly. It is really difficult to live with that conflict. Like, I mean, you must find like sometimes you're just like, here we go again, another row. Yeah, sometimes I suppose like I'd have to kind of remind myself that a lot of what she's experiencing is like the first mm-hmm. time, is, you know, yeah. like it, mm. it's the first exam or the first kind of um, fallout with a friend or, you know, so I have to kind of remind myself like I've been doing all these things for years. So now. your learning has been years long and this yeah. is the first of. So I'm kind of like, why is she, you know, why is she freaking out about that? That's no big deal or whatever. So I kind of have to remind myself that you know, she's tackling a lot of this stuff for the first time. Um, but uh, I don't know, I like even when I look back when I was a teen, we spent a, an awful lot of time talking about periods, like um, in class. Like that's all we talked yeah, about yeah. was periods. And I'm kind of like, I get it. Like I've got, we, yeah. we didn't really find out much else about anything. I totally agree. And just when you talk, we were talking about the brain, you're like your teenage brain. 
when I saw a picture of myself as a teenager today, I just wanted to give her a big hug. I was I like, know. oh God. Now on the A side, I was really like confident and whatever. Yeah. But I had a clue going on. Mm-hmm. What was going I had a crew cut and wore a t-shirt that said men lie. So, you <laughs> know, sure like, the so, then, you so really. And in fact, I can't remember, I think it was my it's brother that anyway. brought it up over Christmas that actually said like, do you remember that haircut? And, yeah. and that was as a result of my first breakup. Like, I mean, I had read the book that said what you do, you know, you shave your head and oh, you wear a yeah. t-shirt that says how you feel. Jesus. And I kind of look, I like, you know, look at teenagers now and with even without the whole social media stuff, yeah. I had a really, really difficult time. Yeah. God only knows yeah. what I'd be doing now. So I think, yeah. I think a lot of compassion, like, like you were saying, or like even, it is the first time yeah, that they're like, doing I look stuff. at her now and things that I definitely didn't realise when I was a teenager, advances from older men, mm-hmm. how that was not appropriate and how they were strange. Yeah. So trying to explain that because when you're, you know, when you're 16 or 15, you don't realise how young you are so true, and how yeah. young you look. Yeah. And you think you're the sophisticated you, yeah, so creature. Yeah, so somebody who's 20 is talking to you like, whatever, like that's to- that's fine. It's only a few years between us and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, but no. there's an actual chasm. Yeah. And that's the thing that's interesting. You're saying that, oh, we used to talk about in our kind of group was period because I think that's true Just as well. School, I and I think that. now that there's so, there's so many kind of other things that come in about consent, about your body, about body autonomy and all of that sort of mm. stuff. Carl, how do you talk about that with your son mm. to kind of say to him, to kind of open the conversation or yeah. even find out what are they doing and with whom and yeah. what for? I think that is like, you know, I hope I was saying on the phone actually to um, Carl the other day. I think we're in, a, in a, a time now where you have to be so careful about everything now, boys and girls mm-hmm. and boys as much as girls sometimes even a little bit more as in you have to find the line now between like back when we were growing up you know a guy could come over and he could do whatever he could grab you he could hug you he could arrest you whatever and there would be not a word said there'd be nothing thought of it there'd be nothing mm-hmm. it just would be just one of those things you just brush it off and it'd be like ah that that's neither here nor there but now mm. there's such a fine line you literally cannot do a single thing and rightly so by the way I'm not saying you, you can't but I just think for teenage boys you nearly have to be like, you have to listen to me so carefully about this. You cannot, like, in any way touch anyone inappropriately. It's very mixed messages, though, I think. Like, if you were were 15 or 16 or 17, so on Instagram, on everything else, you're getting these highly sexualised, you know, images. Anyone can access pretty hardcore stuff for free on any mobile device. And at the same time, then you're you're told, you know, you need to be a a young feminist. You need to be very careful. You need to really respect women. So I think, like, like you were saying, John, about all those confusing, it must be, like, a yeah. absolute whirlwind inside a head trying to figure all that out. I think it's why it's so important that you bring topics like that up conversationally yeah, so that it doesn't yeah. feel like they're in trouble or that you're suspicious or that you're reacting, but that you even use something like this and you say, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about this and it made me realise we've never spoken about that topic or I was curious, what do you think about it? Like, are these women crazy? This isn't what's going on. What's your way? And 
when your teenager does not feel, and I think what you were saying, Emma, is so true, that when it's not that intense, you know, yeah. sit down there yeah. and I'll interrogate yeah. you on this, <laughs> yeah. but it's conversational. It could be side by side doing the dishes or whatever or in the car or whatever it's going to be, that you will get more of that. Yeah, that is something that comes up with my friends, that depersonalized way of talking mm-hmm. about it. But I think that they, you've got to grow the conversation up as your children are growing up. That is not something you introduce for the first time with your 15-year-old. Yeah. That topic of autonomy, of consent, of all of that has to be starting way, way younger. And then you Agreed. grow up the content. So it's not yeah. their first time hearing it. Yeah. It's something, yeah, we talk about that. Yeah. So I think that parenting has changed. Parenting teens has definitely changed, by the way. Being a teenager is so different than it was even for us. But because we don't have social media posts to constantly remind us of those crew cuts. You know, we can make mistakes (laughs) and ultimately get past them, you know. (laughs) But I do think that the conversations are so, so important. But the time for consent starts in toddlerhood, not teenage years. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's something we'll we'll kind of talk more about in the in the next um, in the next part. That's the end of part one, but don't go anywhere because in part two we'll be discussing bad behaviour and how to deal with it. Motherboard proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range. Welcome back to part two of our Motherboard podcast. So bad behaviour is something I think even the best kid will kind of do at some stage. Um, Particularly like in Ireland, drinking culture, I think, was huge when I was little. Of course, I never did any of it. Um, And it still is now. Emma, how do you deal with discussing bad behaviour, dealing with bad behaviour and talking about kind of boozing and drinking? Yeah, I've tried to be quite honest about booze and drugs and, and drugs as well and I mean, drugs be. because I just felt a lot, a lot of time the message is don't do drugs which is not realistic to well yeah. because then you're going to be sitting there well hang on there must be something good about it because what's everyone getting out of this like it can't just be the, the thrill of the wrist there has to mm. be something so we've tried to be quite honest with her about the fact that look uh, basically I've, I've I've tried to like I was like a pusher at Christmas. I was like, have some Prosecco. Just have a little bit. Of, just come on. Come on, do it for mommy. And she's like, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to drink. I'm like, fine. But I did say to her about drink. I said, look, you know, these are the pros. These are the cons. I was like, but, you, you know, you should really, for the, your first time, you should really just be at home because you don't know how it's going to affect your body. And then I was like, as you get older, I was like, even when you're an adult in your 20s and whatever, I was like, you know, really... She just could tell it to around people you know really well because you just you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're kind of that extra bit more vulnerable. And I've said to her about drugs. I said, look, a lot of people think drugs are very fun, but they're not legalized. You like you just don't know what you're going to get. You have there's nowhere, there's no comeback if something goes wrong or whatever. Um, but like in terms of having, I think she, I think like I think she gets it. But sometimes I find with bad behavior and arguments. I it's an outer body experience because I feel like I'm having a, an argument with myself. I can just see my head on her and, body. and the way I'm, that I'm talking she's, to myself. Yeah, that she's, I, she's just like what did I say? Ultimate revenge, yeah, having to raise yourself. Com- oh yeah, she's completely cut out of me. Like the eye roll is just spot on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm she's got that like, down. Yeah. I'm like, wow. That's I feel like I taught her myself. But um, I try. If there are, I wouldn't say. Punishments, but if there are repercussions to actions, I try and just do them like they have a quick turnover. 
Don't particularly yeah, like these something things. Spread over a long period yeah, of time will lose its we get power. To the stage of like, what is this even about? Why? Yeah. Why am I watching this car? I can't remember. Whatever it is, so I try and keep them quite quick. But with all the kids and like her from when she was a young age, whatever it is, I just always make sure that I follow through. Even though sometimes I will say something like. Oh, God, that's a bit harsh, short. Oh, but really you still have to go there. I just follow through so that I hope that they know that when I say something, that it, ha- it holds away. That's what's and, happening. And yeah. Carol, would you agree with that as well? I know you're saying that your son is, like, in general, very well behaved. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there will be times that you have encountered either behaviour wouldn't wouldn't like or have heard yeah. around that the peer group are doing stuff that maybe yeah. isn't particularly Yeah, no, brilliant. I've heard a lot of that, yeah, of course. Like, And look... We all, I do think for kids or for teenagers, I think, you know, the more you say, don't drink, don't do this, you know, we all have to learn our own way and our own mistakes. And you nearly need five slaps in the face before you'll actually get to a point and you go, okay, no, that's not for me. Or that's yeah, not saying right. no and sticking your head in the yeah. sand is not going to no, mean that it no, doesn't happen. It's like, I, I, like, like grounding and stuff, I don't agree with. It wouldn't be for me. Or Connor, because I just think, what well, what's keeping them in for three days going to do? They're going to go out and three well, days also and do they'll it all probably again. actually drive you, yeah, clinically insane <laughs> yourself. But I just so. think human nature is you learn in, by your own mistakes, you learn your own time, you learn in your own pace, and I think you know you can you only both sound guide such cool moms. I just, no, but I just think really you, can, do, you can only though, guide like, and hope, really, hope like, that they will take on board what you're saying. But you can't force anything on anyone. But that's just me, though. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I just think, you know, for Connor, like Connor will be, he's a lazy git. Like, so I, we clash heads about that all the time. I'm like, do this, do that. But then I'm the makings of that. So I've done everything for him. So yeah, that's, I can't blame him for that either. So it is both ways. And Joanna, what, um, what? The ladies were saying seems to really hold resonance for me anyway, thinking of what sort of parent I'd like to be and that, you know, that you cannot elongate kind of punishments that that with teenagers is never going to work. I think that's true with small children as well, by the way. I just think that if something has happened, deal with it in the moment and then move to a place of repair where you're getting the relationship back on track. Wait till your granny or your father gets home. That's all. Well, I just think, you know, linger, having (laughs) something linger, you're you're actually bringing a lot of resentment into it then and you become the baddie. It's not what I did anymore. It's how you're dealing with it. That's the problem. And nobody wins in that. And I think, you know. I do that in my adult relationship. I'm going to keep this cold shoulder going for quite some time but my kids are just like let's and you end up cutting off your so nose so true I'm in my, yeah. <laughs> my aunt's like I'm like I'm going to punish itself. you for about three years but Connor no this is perfect for today it's fine yeah. but I, I think what you, your example is so good Carol because like teenagers have two ways that they present resistance let's call it that mm, yeah. they can be active which is the row the argument where they get really loud and demonstrative and you end up in a fight or they can take a passive resistance which is delay mm-hmm. I'll do it in a minute I'll do it oh in, my a God, minute. That's Connor. in a yeah. minute in a minute <clears throat> to the point that you lose the will to live yeah. you end up doing it then you snap at them I asked so you true. to do it and they look at you going but I said I would do it so true like you've just described yeah that's where well, Connor I and I actually would. feel my blood pressure yeah. so raise Connor's a very think. passive nature he's not a Connor never yells never slams yeah. doors it's God, it's not in his nature. Resistance. But he's very much like, in a minute, oh, I said I do it, in a minute, in a but minute, But that, that's a, minute, a form like, of conflict. I mean, yeah, it's one it, of the, like, yeah. there are five key adjustments in adolescence and it affects teenagers, but also it affects parenting teenagers. And one, like, we've talked about them all actually already, but ignorance is where 
teenagers want to withhold stuff from you. They want more privacy. So the parent is left with the sense of, I know less, but I need to know more. Yeah. And they keep looking and looking and the teenager's holding back. You've got a, a process of estrangement. And then you end up snooping. Well, you do something like and that. And you breach bad. privacy, which yeah. is bad. Then you've, um, but then the you've got you've est- estrangement, band. which is like, you know, now I have to experiment with new friends, new tastes, new things that differentiate me from you because whatever I am, I do not want to be like you. And that's part of it. But you begin to go, who is this person in my house? I don't even recognize them anymore. And abandonment. You have such lovely hair and nice makeup. Exactly. And lovely, lovely <laughs> YouTube, I need, to, I need to get some tips. But with abandonment, you're looking at their, their own social life becomes so prevalent in their lives that you nearly need an appointment to hang out with them. Oh, and, so you know, and that can feel like yeah. you're being abandoned by your child, which can be really, it's normal teenage <laughs> Behavior. But that is but normal But it can be really difficult for a parent. Yeah. Connor and I yeah. would be, obviously, like, we would have always, now, John, his dad, would have always said, like, you're too close. That's not, like, you can't be hanging out with him, like, like going to cinema. So we'd always go to cinema and have dinner and lunch or whatever, which I think is nice because we can chat lovely. and it's, it's lovely. lovely. But in the last maybe year or so, I'd be like, do you want to go to cinema? No, I'm doing this. I'm like, for that eyes, I'm like, you never have time for any morning. He's like, don't be your time ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. It's it that feels process. Like that. It, it feels like. Well, we used to always go to the cinema and now it's like, well, no, I've got my But where the problem will arise so. is if you can't accept that and yeah. if you insist, no, we must always can't. be as close as we ever yeah. were. And you become that mother. Yeah. Then, you, then you have a problem. That. Yeah. And then your teenager has to go other ways yeah. of getting away from you. And then exactly. we enter into, you know, we're talking about risk-taking behavior, mm-hmm. basically, and you've positive risk-taking yeah. behavior and negative risk-taking behavior. And I mean, we could sit here and name negative risk-taking behavior off the top of our head, you know, Mm -hmm. drink, drugs, sex, straight away. But positive risk-taking behavior is something that we have to direct them towards. And that would be like volunteering, Mm -hmm. um, bungee jumping. You were saying about going away (laughs) and volunteering overseas. And, you know, that that, that allows them to gain a new perspective and a sense of others and the world is bigger than me. And that's all really important. Preparing for an exam is a positive risk-taking behavior. A team sport where there's winning and losing. They're all positives. Mm -hmm. But we talk about bad behavior, but actually the behaviour, while not pleasant, by the way, not pleasant, is actually quite normal in yeah. terms of teenage development. Often the misattunement occurs because how we are parenting them is no longer in line with teenage development. We're using what was really successful parenting strategies before they became a teenager and we're going, why won't this work? Clearly my teenager is the problem. I must make them bend to my will when actually we need to grow our parenting up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really hard to do, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I mean, we're talking about kind of normal behaviour and normal, um, you know, teenage behaviour, it can be very hard to differentiate the, lean, the line, I think, between normal behaviour. And then if you're worried about their mental health, you know, mental health mm-hmm. yeah. and teenager mental health is so important. But, you know, they're, they're, teenagers can suffer as with any yeah. group and that can be very hard. So people listening at home, how do you kind of like pick up on that line and say actually there's something not normal going on here when the behaviour can be so all over the place it can be so difficult to know well mental health and mental illness are two different things like we all have mental health 
you know, good, bad and indifferent. And when we talk about mental health, what we're really talking about is somebody who is at least most of the time, mostly well, and we do things that keep us well. Mm. If you have mental illness, that is something completely different and all the hugs and cuddles in the world is not going to Mm. fix that. You need third-party professional help and intervention. And I think we have to be careful with teenagers and mental health that we don't psychopathologize everything that they do because yeah, if they're having nature, a bad day to be yeah, like exactly. they're depressed <laughs> no, this is yeah. it yeah. exactly that we don't rush to and certainly not the internet but teenagers have dramatic mood swings that does not make them bipolar yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. do you know um, teenagers can be really low in presentation and no eye contact and very down in the dumps they're not depressed necessarily yeah. if that behaviour is pervasive and it goes on all day every day for a lengthy period of time then you've crossed the line out of what would be typical. Yeah. Of course. I think you need to kind of know when it's bigger than you and you need like another person because, you know, I'll be honest when I say this, Connor had, he suffered with anxiety like for a couple of years, maybe from 12 to 15. And it, it was getting quite bad. Like in his, his junior cert year then it kind of peaked. Because that exam it, stress oh, exams, is insane. It was, it was like mm-hmm. he just couldn't cope anymore. So I took him to see a guy in Clontarf and... And I suppose you have to be kind of honest with yourself and think, I think that's the most important thing is to be really honest about maybe you've contributed some way to this or maybe you have to look at yourself and think, because that's the only way it's going to get better if you sit there and you're honest and you can't be like, oh, well, I have nothing to do with this. This is nothing yeah, to do when, when you Of course, yeah. it has to be. And I think, and that's hard, obviously, as a parent to kind of recognise if you've contributed some way to this. But mm-hmm. so I took him to see someone and, and obviously I went in on some sessions and it was kind of, it was coming between like, he wouldn't fly. He was as in, it was a terror. Mm. Like he, he wouldn't get on a flight. We had to cancel it. Had to get a boat home from Spain because he just wouldn't get back on a plane one year. So it got really bad and, you know, it was just getting too much. So he kind of asked Connor, you know, things about me and, and I was working nice at the time. And it turns out the underlining problem was, he said every night he'd go to bed and he'd wonder how I'd get home, would I be okay getting home, would oh, I be safe, wow. but I'm leaving work at two o'clock in the morning and this was all like but a you massive... weren't doing anything wrong, no, it was well, just his No, it wasn't perception. wrong, but you know, for a child that age, I shouldn't have been working nights, really, mm-hmm. but I was, so, and I suppose that was a big mm-hmm. factor for him. So I think we have to kind of go, as hard, like, I was devastated at that, I thought, oh my God, I'm the result, I'm the cause yeah. of this, you know, I'm the one that's been working nights and out late and that's not good for a child that age or any child really it's, it so it's hard though to it's really hard yeah it is it was hard yeah of course it I, is but it was also the makings of them so it was also like yeah. positive in yeah hard. yeah it was yeah. I, br- I had a breakup when Ella was I think communion year and it totally affected her totally but I did that thing of like we're all going to be grand everything's going to be great she's fine and whatever and then I'd heard that she'd uh I don't think in the class, but she'd come out of the class and she'd cried and she told her teacher. Now, luckily, she had a lovely teacher. And a part of you actually probably died of guilt. I died, but I actually needed that wake-up call to say, no, it's affecting you. Of course, it's going to affect her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let it, let it, like, I don't need to build the wall so, so high. And kind of, you know. And it is okay for our kids to see us struggle. Yes. It's okay because then they get to learn that actually you can feel badly, you can be upset and you can get through it. And we're modeling healthy mental health for them. I'm much more open with her now, like at an age appropriate way. But, you know, if I found But now that she's a teenager that you can let her in more. I would like discuss my 
relationship or finances. But I'd say, you know, I'd say, oh, God, sorry, I just got a load going on this week. I don't, I'm like, oh, I, I'm like, I, I need to get it all finished or whatever. So that she knows that it's normal to have. Yes. Peaks, Peaks and troughs. troughs. Yeah, yes, exactly. of course. Your mood and your emotions and how you're yeah. finding everything and whatever. Just to be human beings. Like, because everyone's, yeah. no matter what age you are, no one gets through a week, like, yeah. <gasps> delighted with life and everything's perfect. And I think you have to, I think you have to show your flaws and you have to show, like, yeah. you, don't put, you don't want to put on them, but you do want yeah. to let them in that you're a human as well. And, you, yeah. you know. It is very hard, though, I think, for teen parents in that there isn't the help. There, like, there are so many books there's so many TV programs on younger kids. Yes. Yeah. And on babies and and I mean I know myself as a huge consumer and having a 5 month old I, like if you t- tell me this app will help my son sleep for 3 seconds more <laughs> I will buy it. In fact, I'll buy 5 of them in the hope that I'll get 15 seconds. I will. But when I think when you get to like 12, 13, 14, there aren't there's a real absence of assistance books. Yeah. You know, it seems to be there's a real gap. So I think it might might be very lonely for parents to kind of not know. And like yeah. you were saying, Carol, sometimes it's very hard to admit to yourself and to be vulnerable as a parent to say, like, I'm having this is kind of tough or I'm responsible for some mm-hmm. of this behaviour or contributory. It's tough, isn't it, Joanna? Like oh, it's really tough. And, and there schools, isn't a roadmap here. And schools yeah. mightn't be a great help either because... Well, they've got their own agenda and, you know, pressures that they have to get them through an education curriculum and through state exams. So they the can't exam, do all the parenting for us too. They can be really supportive. And if we communicate with schools, I certainly find that they will go, you know, mostly they will go out of their way to help and support you in your parenting. But you're still the one doing the parenting. Mm-hmm. And I, we tend to forget that adolescence is a second bite at the developmental apple, so to speak. Like the terrible twos very quickly become the terrible thirteens. But now they've got language and door slamming that your two year old probably didn't have. But what's exactly what so we need it to. to jail immediately. That's, Not that's immediately. No. There's a process, Avril, like a whole process. <laughs> There's a process. But, um, but I think when they're little, we talk about boundaries, limit setting, you know, say no, then distract, redirect. It's actually not dissimilar mm. with teenagers. Mm-hmm. You have to Agreed, have yeah. boundaries, limit setting. You have to make sure that you say no, you want to link it to feelings. When you shouted at me, I know that you were upset, but it really hurt my feelings and yeah. it made me feel badly so they can get that cause and effect piece again. My teenage self just eye rolled at you. I, like, I oh, bet. Oh, you're great. Oh, you, get, you get it. Don't you know I was the perfect teenager? Just ask my mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing. I mean, don't like not to take things kind of too personally with teenagers. Oh, absolutely. As best you, it'll feel so personal. Mm. It's always going to feel it because they will hit you where it is personal. But it's not a personal attack. It's a projection. They can't contain this icky, uncomfortable stuff that's inside of them. And so they evacuate it onto us as Mm -hmm. a way of please make sense of this because I can't. And they'll do that by pushing our buttons, by making us hurt. What's really important is that we try to Teflon coat ourselves so most of that slides off. And that might be that you have your own support system that you can engage with. I need the time out here. I need to get outside. I need to talk to somebody who's a really good support for me. And once we don't withdraw ourselves, once we don't punish our kids with silence, because I think that's actually quite threatening. Oh, I think that's, yeah, no. If we just go quiet and say, I'm not ready. And we're modelling quite negative behaviour for them because we would critique them for doing exactly that. But if you can say, I'm still hurting from this and I need more time. Yeah. 
you're letting them know what's going on. So, I mean, it's pretty similar to what you would do with smaller kids. It's just you give them more details now. But you have to mind yourself when you're parenting teenagers. Yeah, it really sounds, I'm, I really can't wait now. I mean, I just want Felix to be like 15 tomorrow so that I can look forward to all of this really No, you don't. Stuff. <laughs> yes, oh, and Emma, like to kind of, to finish up, I mean, yeah. you seem to be very successfully raising a lovely little person. Well, she's um, going to listen, she'll probably listen to this now, she'll go and find it. And she'll be like, I will sorry, you. at 1725. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, I have a lot to and I still know that, yeah. But no, I, you know, I'm happy that for the for the most part we get on, and you know, she's she seems happy. That's you know, she seems happy. So that's it, yeah. So you're going to survive yourself in in, in the main, and when you're a granny and she has her own teenage daughter, yes. you can. I'm more worried about my sons at the moment. So like they're five and three. I'm prepping myself for them. To be honest, I, I yeah. just you know, just I can see the personalities are different. So I may have just gotten a kind of a, a nice easy You thought trot. this was bad? You yeah. You'd seen nothing <laughs> I might yet. have just gotten a nice run of it with her, I think. I have those kind of sneaking suspicions. But um, no, I mean, it's every, every day is different. Like, God, even when you're talking about like, you know, that they kind of want to be someone different or whatever. Like, even at Christmas, I got her like, oh, like some clothes and I thought like, well. I really like you've not, hit, e- you've really not even like I would wear this, yeah. but I'm like, this is her style or whatever. And I was like, eh, just the face dropped. And I was like, oh, oh really? my God, she didn't like it. She didn't like and, uh, some of them. She was a bit dodgy about. But I remember my mom doing that to me. And I was like, what is what have you bought me or whatever? And I was like, oh, the cycle continues. It's, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And teenagers are great. They really are. I think it's important to say that like teenagers are great and they can teach us so much about ourselves. I would learn more from Connor now. Like, honest to God, he's he's. He is a joy. I still think I, I am a teenager. Connor's more mature than I am a lot of the time, so I'll give him his due there. Thank you so much to my lovely panel for joining me today. Thank you for being so open and honest about your stories and about your kids. And I have to say, genuinely, if I could be half the parents that I think you guys are to your teenagers, um, I want you guys to adopt me. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for listening at home. Please do like and subscribe to the Motherboard podcast. We'd be thrilled. Lastly, don't forget to put a few positive reviews for the podcast and we'd love to hear any and all of your feedback. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Motherboard proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range.